Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo.com Fantasy Football Start Sit Show it is the week two edition. I am Matt Kajewski, and I am here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. But before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when we are live with all of our content here. That is the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire crew over here at Osmo.com. Let's see how many likes we can rack up in the chat today. I'm excited for another fire show. We had some great comments last, last time we were on here. But let's touch on this game from last night. Man, I think we saw a little bit of a Browns turnaround. And I watched your fantastic live before lock show on the showdown slate. And who that John Ross cost me some money, but Kyle, how are we doing today? How did your lineups fare in the, the showdown slate against Cleveland and Cincinnati? Well, if you watched the live before lock show, you know, John Ross also cost me a lot of money. I had the, my only saving grace was I had so much Odell Beckham and a decent amount of Nick Chubb. So despite like getting just absolutely dunked on by John Ross donut, I, I didn't go like complete dead broke, not a good slate though, but it was a good football game. So that was good balanced my bad slate with an actually entertaining football game, both on the Bengals being like bad, but fun, good for fantasy. And the Browns actually might be good, good. So lots of takeaways from that. One takeaway is, is John Ross is probably dead. Yeah. Let's touch on the the, month, the Thursday night game. Excuse me. Before we dive into your start sit questions, if you have them start throwing them into the chat. So Kyle and I can field them, but I think the biggest takeaway for me from that Thursday night game was just how many plays the Bengals ran overall 92 plays is ridiculous. Usually we're seeing the NFL average around 70 plays, give or take per season. So seeing that up at 92 plays was just absolutely ridiculous. Joe Burrow is going to throw 50 times a game if they continue at that pace. What did you think of just the absurd play volume and maybe some other takeaways we can gather from that game? Yeah, the, the play volume is absolutely nuts. Their defense isn't good and their offense, if it's not doing well, they're just going to run fast. I think that's, I mean, that's like the smart way to play is that if you are, you know, if you need to score points, do it as fast and as often as possible. Even if you're not so efficient, you want like, you would prefer your drives to probably be like not long and slow. You want them, if you're going to fail, fail fast so you can get another crack at it. So the Bengals, I think even in their worst scenario, at least you're going to put up some like PPR value for their receivers, for their running backs, even Joe Mixon, 
he can, in fact, catch footballs. I still think it's a bit of a concern. Geo with Geo, I believe, outcaught him. It was like five to four. But if they're going to run so many plays, having he has a maybe a smaller share of the pie than a guy like Dalvin Cook. But the overall play and passing pie is a lot larger because they just want to run at this berserk pace. So Joe Mixon, maybe not like a true three down back, but you could just mask that with having a, a large pie to chew out of. So Joe Mixon, probably arrow pointing up for him specifically. Yeah, you're talking one of my favorite players in the NFL. So I love to hear anytime we get increased Joe Mixon usage. I am all about it. One other takeaway, we touched on John Ross kind of tanking our lineups in the showdown slate, but that was because T Higgins played an elevated snapshot in week two. We saw Auden Tate come in as a scratch right before game time. Surprised me a little bit. I fully expected Auden Tate to play, but John Ross mm-hmm. was actually the leader in snaps in week one. And now he's playing just above 20% in week two in favor of T Higgins. Of course, their, their second round draft pick right at the top of the second round there. So that was another takeaway for me. Uh, maybe we can touch on the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt situation. What'd you make of that? Yeah, I think my takeaway is that Kareem Hunt is going to have a like he's like a borderline RB2 every week going forward, despite the fact that I thought he was getting a lot of hype in, in fantasy drafts, you know, despite being sort of just this upside play. I thought maybe he would have some contingent PPR value. Otherwise, he was just like absolutely a crush if Nick Chubb gets hurt. Now I'm starting to feel very much that Chubb has a decent amount of value, but Kareem Hunt is eating into his value so much that you need a Nick Chubb touchdown. You don't necessarily need that from Kareem Hunt, but you can get it. You can even get it twice. So I am really high on Kareem Hunt going forward just because now he seems to have such a a reasonable weekly floor. And then obviously, should anything happen to Nick Chubb, it's just wheels up on Kareem Hunt. So Nick Chubb, a bounce back spot for him. Good. I'm still not blown away by his usage. Whereas Kareem Hunt, uh, maybe it's just because I like his three. He's got this more three down profile more, but I, I really like Kareem Hunt going forward relative to where I felt he might just be a PPR back. I actually don't think that's the case now. I still think you're starting Nick Chubb in your fantasy leagues on a week to week basis, but I, I don't think you're very happy about what you had to pay to get him. He was a second round pick widely yeah. across leagues. So you're probably disappointed with the return so far. You just never want to hope for injuries for guys. And anytime you draft a guy in a time turn the second round, not great. But speaking of injuries, this is going to be a major concern heading into the weekend in our start sit discussion. And I think it starts with Benny Snell and James Conner. Of course, James Conner, the guy just can't seem to stay on the field whatsoever. He plays three drives, I believe, gets hurt on the third drive with an ankle, goes out, and he has yet to practice this week. We'll see his status today. But that allowed Benny Snell to accumulate 19 touches. Those were all carries. He ended up playing on 45% of Pittsburgh snaps, 75% of their run plays. They are projected to win this game against the Denver Broncos. Right now, they are favored by about a touchdown. I'm thinking we're just locking in Benny Snell to our flexes. I think he's a strong RB2. What do you take away from this Benny Snell situation in Pittsburgh? Yeah, we've got a handful of injuries this week. And if you were able to get your hands on Benny Snell off the waiver wire, I'd imagine it, I'd be shocked. You know, your league mates are absolutely slacking if they did not put in a free agent, you know, a fab bid for him or just their waiver wire claim for him. If he's still out there, obviously go get him. But yeah, I would lock him into my flex spots, given that most teams at this point are dealing with an injury or even two or three, have a handful of guys who are at least flex worthy plays that are not going to be taking the field this week. Absolutely. I think he is a solid, like I'd say low end RB two. his, his receiving usage, obviously next to zero, especially with Jalen Samuel in there, 
But in a game they're supposed to win with a solid defense backing him, I really think that Benny Snell's a guy they can lean on in the running game. That makes him a solid flex play. I don't love necessarily his upside because of the receiving game, but in a week where we do have a lot of guys going down, to especially like a lot of soft tissue injuries early in the year, he's going to be, I would imagine most leagues, he makes a starting roster. Yeah, listen, we have a lot of guys in timeshares too that maybe we didn't expect it, or at least guys that we thought were going to play three down roles. Players that come to mind include Chris Carson, Todd Gurley. I still do prefer them slightly, mainly because of game environment over a guy like Benny Snell, but I think the conversation is close. If you're making those kind of decisions and you wanted to talk yourself into Benny Snell, I, I wouldn't hate it. And just a little, uh, little humble brag for Kyle and myself, if you were watching the Monday Waiver Show and you potentially could have put a claim in for Snell ahead of that game. We we definitely touted that. So hopefully you guys picked up your Benny Snell before the weekend, but I'm going to run through a few injuries here. I want you to stop me on some that potentially could be impactful for fantasy. Some guys you might see sliding into lineups. We have Kenny Galladay. His injury is impactful because we expect Quintez Cephas to play an elevated role. Saw 10 targets in their debut. Jamison Crowder did not practice today. We got word of that maybe a couple minutes before the show. People are looking at maybe Brashad Perriman. There's Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore, Chris Godwin with the concussion, A.J. Brown, John Brown, Michael Thomas. What is sticking out to you first and foremost? And then we'll dive into some, some maybe secondary injuries. Yeah, for me, one thing that sticks out is trap plays on the Jets. I'm not playing any Jets. I don't care if Frank Gore gets every single touch. I don't care if Rashad Perriman is the only guy who gets a single receiver target. I'm not there. They're absolute traps on a terrible offense. And they're not particularly like they're not like like Benny Snell looks. He looks elusive. He looks like he has like some long play potential. Frank Gore doesn't have that. Rashad Perriman was a bust for every for every season of his career until a few games with like an, a high flying Tampa Bay team. I'm just absolutely not going to Jets, guys. Quintez Cephas would be interesting. I do think Scotty Miller, although I saw Chris Godwin actually suited up for practice day, which was surprising. It doesn't guarantee. I think there's like a final hurdle or two in the concussion protocols, but he did return to practice. So Scotty Miller probably comes off the radar at that point. So Quintez Cephas, a, a deep play if Kenny Galladay ends up being out. I do think his 10 targets are probably a bit of a mirage. I would still project Marvin Jones and maybe even Danny Amendola to have more secure roles. Quintez Cephas, a deep, deep play, probably in leagues where you're like two flex, three receiver, you could get him in that final spot if you need to. But for the most part, I'm I'm avoiding Jets. If Chris Godwin doesn't manage to clear the final steps of concussion protocol, Scotty Miller, I'm getting him uh, like I'm getting him in every league. I already have him in every league, actually. I'm getting him in the starting roster on almost every league. He would be, I think, a very high upside flex play. John Brown, Gabriel Davis would probably be the guy who steps in. I'm not so sure I want, uh, you know, too much of the Bills passing game. I, I like the running game, but that's really what I think they're going to be predicated on. So Scotty Miller, tons of upside. You have to monitor this Chris Godwin injury, though. Yeah, if Chris Godwin sits, I think Scotty Miller becomes a flex play for sure. He's someone I would certainly look to. Steven, thank you for the donation in the chat. He asks, would you start Preston Williams or LaVisca Chenault? Titans or Buccaneers defense, full PPR. So we have a two-part question. We'll start with the Preston williams Laviska chenault situation. For me, it's going to be Preston Williams based on volume. Williams played 90% of the snaps, ran a route on 97% of dropbacks. We know Devontae Parker is at least a little banged up. I know he's back in practice. But Williams, he only reeled in two of seven targets. Obviously, he had that just clamps matchup against the Patriots. Now, he's in a tough matchup again this week against Buffalo, but I have a feeling I know what you're going to say about the matchup. We prefer volume here over the tough matchups and Preston Williams with his 41% air yard share, 23% target share. He's going to get the edge for me, but, but I do love me some Chenault. That's a tough call. 
What do you think? Yeah, I love Chenault too, but I do have to go with volume over all else. I think Preston Williams is going to get that. And like you said, you know, the matchup is tough, but it's not, you know, matchups aren't unbeatable. I'm targeting volume above all else. And Preston Williams got volume in week one. Like you said, those targets, the, the air yard share, it was all there. And it's probably there in part because Devontae Parker is so banged up. So for me, I, I'm going Preston Williams here. If this is a, a this is a difficult cut decision, though, if you had to cut one, I, I'm probably trying to keep both of these guys. I'd look elsewhere. I want to be holding on to Chenault in the long term. We saw him get a role in week one. He also got some carries out of the backfield, ends up scoring a touchdown, plays a decent amount of snaps. I think he was like top two or three in rookie snaps in week one. He's a guy I'm excited about, but week one or week two, I guess, week two, Preston Williams is still the guy you're trying to start of these two. For sure. And the second part of your question, Titans or Buccaneers defense, for me, it, it is going to be the Titans. I know they are dealing with some injuries. Vic Beasley missed last game, and we have Adoree Jackson on injured reserve. But going against that Jacksonville team, they're still coming in as immense favorites right now. They're favored by just over a touchdown. I think the Tennessee Titans are a strong defense and one you could maybe even still pick up on waivers. I got them in a bunch of spots this week. So that would be my first leaning. Do you have a preference between the Titans or the Buccaneers? It's a full PR, PPR league, he specifies. Yeah, so I love Gardner Minshew. I'm going to lead off with the fact that his 19 of 20, <laughs> like 19 of 20 completions in week one was like top five all-time completion percentage in a single game. I still think I'm going to go with this Titans defense. I, like, I'm not projecting that I am that much sharper than Vegas that I'm like, you know what? Jags need to be favored. They're they're off by 10 points, Vegas is. I'm not, you know, that's, uh, we don't know as much as we think we know. I'm going to lean on Vegas, which has, you know, billions, if not at least millions, hundreds of millions of dollars backing their models and at risk. They're they're smarter than me in this aspect. I'm, I'm still going to bet against Gardner Minshew, unfortunately, and play the Titans defense here. All right, back to a huge injury that we didn't touch on. Michael Thomas owners, you got to be upset. I mean, you spent a first-round pick on this guy, and he, with a high ankle sprain, I don't believe they put him on injured reserve, but last I saw the reports were saying multiple weeks for him. We have Emmanuel Sanders. We have Traquan Smith. Are you comfortable starting either of them? Maybe even we could throw Jared Cook into this discussion. Or are you looking to the waiver wire? I think this really is important for a guy like Traquan, who is widely available on, on waivers this week. Is he a guy you could potentially look to for the Saints offense in your fantasy lineups? Yeah, Traquan is probably a deeper play. He's a guy that I like. I take Scotty Miller. If Chris Godwin is out, Michael Thomas is out, Scotty Miller easily makes the lineup for me over a guy like Traquan Smith. Agreed. But say Chris Godwin, you know, say Chris Godwin plays, I'd probably put him in that Quintess Cephas range where he's deep. But I kind of like the upside, you know, with Quintess Cephas, it could be targets. With Traquan Smith, he scored 10 touchdowns in his first two NFL seasons, had multiple games over 100 yards, won a lot of people money within a 150-yard game a few years ago, kind of fizzled out last season. He's a guy that I like his upside. He needs Michael Thomas to be out to be relevant. I, there's actually I had an update for you on the Michael Thomas. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports there is a little hope that Michael Thomas can play in week two. He's not playing in week two. I would bet anything that he's not playing with a high ankle injury in week two, but that does put him on like a week three, you know, maybe week four at the latest borderline timeframe. So Michael Thomas owners, I would say, don't, don't sell low. Don't say like, Oh, well, I need the points. Now I'm going to trade down for someone like, I don't know uh, who, who would be someone that you could see people trading Michael Thomas for right now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would say maybe a, uh, who's like a, a wide receiver too? Like a, a Stephon Diggs. Don't trade him now for Stephon Diggs because you think you need to win this week to get past. You're, you could have him back next week. I mean, technically you could have him back this week. It's not happening. I'm getting Emmanuel Sanders in my lineups. Traquan Smith, a deep flex option. And Jared Cook, based on where you drafted him and based on now an opening for opportunity, I'm probably starting him consistently as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think I'm starting Traquan Smith outside of really deep leagues. Jared Cook quietly had a ton of air yards for this, this Saints team. So he's someone you could look to at tight end if you're making a decision between maybe a tight end on your bench and a starter, potentially like George Kittle, who is not expected to practice this week. But everything coming out of 49ers camp, Kyle Shanahan says he wants to get him on the field despite not practicing whatsoever. George Kittle absurdly played 98% of the snaps despite suffering that knee sprain in the first half. He ran 31 routes. That was a route on 84% of Jimmy Garoppolo's dropbacks. I mean, this guy's an absolute warrior. Kittle could be one of these situations where you're going into Sunday. He's on your team. He comes in with that game time call and he plays, but you don't feel great about it because the guy is in practice. You know, the injury is limiting. Do you still play Kittle or do you potentially look to a Jared Cook, maybe another waiver wire tight end? Yeah, I would say I would say I'm probably playing a handful of my favorite waiver wire tight ends over George Kittle because I very much I think you run the risk of just dropping a dead zero as soon as he like takes the field. Like what was it? It was Adam Thielen last year who took the field for two snaps and immediately walked off the field like he couldn't play. I think that is very much in the range of outcomes for a guy like George Kittle, who's not going to practice all this week, but they still think he can play. They have, when healthy, an interesting backup tight end in Jordan Reed, who I would be monitoring if, you know, George Kittle ends up getting ruled out. I'd be interested in picking up some Jordan Reed. If he's ruled out, I'd probably just play Jordan Reed. I'd say I'd take Logan Thomas over him this week, one of my favorite waiver wire pickups. If TJ Hawkinson was out there, you could consider him. He's kind of on the fringe. I would say any low-end tight end one, which for me, Logan Thomas is, you should be picking him up. Outside of that, I'm still playing Kittle. I'm not going too crazy. I'm not going, you know, Jordan Aikens or OJ Howard. I'm going to take him over those guys. But low-end tight end ones, I, I think the risk is good enough that you put those guys ahead of him this week. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I love Kittle still. It's really hard for me not to play this guy when he's active. So it'll be a really tough decision for me come Sunday. I do have him rostered in a couple of my seasonal leagues. Now, we're already kind of hinting at some tough matchups. That is our, our second segment here. So as far as tough matchups goes, this is going to be a discussion we have on a week-to-week basis. We have teams playing Baltimore. We have teams playing Buffalo, New England. What do you do when your stars are matched up against some of these secondaries. Even just last week, if you, I know Devontae Parker gets hurt, but if you played Preston Williams, you played Mike Jasicki, those guys really let you down against New England. If you played your Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry against the Baltimore Ravens, those guys let you down. So looking at the tough matchups this week, we have a lot of fantasy stars going up against this Baltimore team. Will Fuller, David Johnson. Is there a chance you're sitting any of these guys against just what is a fierce Baltimore secondary? Yeah, for players who I, I would deem to be like true fantasy stars, I, I believe they're that I give them that status largely because of their volume. Like I expect they're talented and efficient players as well. But th- like you to be a star, you have to have volume. 
for a guy like Will Fuller, we saw in week one, he has that volume. He's his team's alpha number one receiver. That's why I'd call him a fantasy star. And volume is largely not going to be changed based on him playing the Baltimore defense unless they really like just cannot. He, he has no separation. I don't expect that to be the case for any player of Will Fuller's caliber of talent. So I'm playing him and, and David Johnson got the volume too. I'm playing both these guys against Baltimore and especially against Baltimore a team that while they have a good defense, they also have a good offense. So you don't expect the play volume to be incredibly low. Whereas in like Denver, Pittsburgh, that game could have very few plays. It could be quite a boring game. I'm probably, I'm probably sitting on a guy like Judy Sutton, you know, on that fringe, he'd probably be a low end flex play given the injuries. I think most people are going to be forced to start Sutton and uh, Melvin Gordon, given that Philip Lindsay doesn't seem to be playing. It is uh, he, he's a three down back, I guess. So I'll still play a guy like, like I wasn't drafting Melvin Gordon, but if I knew there was no Philip Lindsay, maybe I would have been because he enters that caliber of being a true three down running back. Pittsburgh's defense is great, but we even saw like Saquon get there on targets alone. Melvin Gordon could break off one long run. He could average more than a yard per carry even. So for me, if they're getting volume, I'm still playing them despite the bad matchup. If they're a guy who I think maybe doesn't have the volume and I like their upside in the right matchup, I will take them out. I think a guy like a guy like Christian Kirk, who, who maybe we should talk about, could fall into that range based on just how many how many targets are going to all go to DeAndre Hopkins. So in this matchup, if I have a better flex option, Christian Kirk is probably on that border where I consider pulling guys based on the matchup. But generally, I'm just trying to get volume. I don't think Will Fuller's volume gets drastically downgraded against Baltimore. How do you feel about a guy like Christian Kirk who's more on the fringes? Kirk is tough. Now, Washington's defense, again, it's a fierce defense. We saw what they did to Philly. Kyler Murray looked fantastic, but there's a few concerns with him, I think. 5.8 yards per attempt for Kyler Murray was not fantastic. He mostly got you there with his legs. He's still not exactly throwing downfield at the highest rate, and when he is, that's mostly going to DeAndre Hopkins. So when you put a guy like Kirk in your lineup, I really question what your ceiling is. I know It's not everything to have players with ceilings. Like Sometimes you just want locked in target volume, but Christian Kirk only had five targets last week. That was a 13.5% target share. I don't know if I'm going to go to a guy like Kirk. I, I do like the play volume in this game. I know the matchup is difficult. So I still think there's a consideration to put Kirk in your flex. If you can get guys on your waiver wire, maybe that are in better spots like Benny Snell, I would consider it. But I still think Christian Kirk is a fairly strong play overall. I I think some other situations, maybe people will have questions. Miami versus Buffalo. Are you starting Preston Williams again if Devontae Parker plays? He is a guy we talked about at the jump a little bit who saw immense volume. He was in that question earlier too. I'm not starting him over, or excuse me, I'm not starting Chenault over him, but where's kind of where you would draw that line with maybe a guy like Preston Williams who's a secondary receiver in a tough matchup? So I think we have some good uh, we have some good streamers coming up to talk about. It. I think one of them that would kind of make a good a good metric, a good a good jumping off point would be like a Marquez Valdez Scantling. I would probably take Marquez Valdez Scantling in a better matchup, a guy you could probably pick up over a Preston Williams. I think maybe you could project Preston Williams obviously for a higher target share and a higher air yard share. But like MBS has some splash play upside in a far better matchup. He does seem to be his team's number two receiver, maybe you know the borderline number three. I think at that point, that's probably where I draw the line. Another great metric for me would be Scotty Miller. Do you fall above or below Scotty Miller if Chris Godwin's out? I would take Scotty Miller probably over Preston Williams because he'll be his team's number two receiver in a better matchup. 
I would take him over a guy like Christian Kirk, though, because Kirk didn't, like you said, he didn't even have that volume. It's not like his, you know, handful of targets are going to be big, deep downfield. That doesn't seem to be Arizona's MO at this point. So for me, Preston Williams is likely going to be in my lineups if I have him and the same for Devontae Parker, but I'm not awfully happy about it. And for teams that I went super receiver heavy, if I have some depth at receiver, he is a guy who I think I could consider taking out Say if I, you know, if I picked up uh, a Marcus Valdez Scantling, or if I have guys, maybe a Paris Campbell is a guy you could have gotten really late that now bolts into your starting lineup, or you could probably even pick him up off waivers, given, uh, you know, given your league depth if it's not too deep. So for me, he falls behind guys like that, but still is ahead of Christian Kirk, who I'm not particularly high on. For sure, I think that makes a lot of sense. I like the way you laid that out with kind of benchmarks of do you think this person is above or below like this streamer, which is a mm-hmm. someone who's usually widely available in your leagues that you can pick up. So I think that's a great way to lay this out. We have a few situations from the chat. So this person, Andrew, his quarterback is Josh Allen. It's a full PPR league and he needs one of these four players. His options are Cole Beasley. That would make the Josh Allen Beasley stack, Traquan Smith, Alexander Madison, or Logan Thomas. I think for me, it is still going to be Logan Thomas. I know it might be weird. You, you might be starting two tight ends in this league. He he says it's, I'm guessing this is a flex play be, just because of the other players you mentioned. But if we want to talk about Logan Thomas for a second, I know this is a guy that you love, Kyle. He came out of nowhere last week. Runs 31 routes. That was around an 86% of the Dwayne Haskins dropbacks. Eight targets. That was a 27% target share. He saw 32% of Washington's air yards. That was number two among all tight ends last week. There's a lot of reasons to like this Washington team. I've been very vocal about liking Dwayne Haskins, about liking, you know, Terry McLaurin. They have a new offensive coordinator in Scott Turner. The the Washington football team, excuse me if I've been calling them their former name, it's just a habit. The Washington football team ran 70 plays last week. That was ninth. If we look back to what he did with Carolina, that was another team that was running a ton of plays. They were passing the ball a ton. The football team only passed the ball 49% of the time last week. Again, they were playing with positive game scripts. I think here against Arizona where they're projected to trail. We'll see more pass attempts for this Washington team overall. So I am fully buying into the Logan Thomas hype right now. Out of those four, again, Josh Allen's a QB. We're looking at Cole Beasley, Traquan Smith, Alexander Madison, or Logan Thomas. Do you have a preference? Yeah, I'm on Logan Thomas with you. You laid it out. He is, uh, I mean, based on a small sample of week one, he is uh, a true number one tight end. And the thing is with that sample, I know it's one week, but who else are they looking to? They have no other talent outside of McLaurin and maybe some Steven, Steven Sims slot snaps. Like there's not, it's not like they have a guy like five different guys and he happened to be the guy in week one. They have like two guys you could reliably project targets to. One of them is now Logan Thomas. So for me, he's the guy, if he wasn't on the table, I would lean Cole Beasley given the the stack upside, you know, all three options weren't awfully appealing. Whereas Logan Thomas is a clear tier ahead of them. So I'm going to go with him. I would use the stack as a tiebreaker if it weren't for Logan Thomas. I like that play a lot. We have another hypothetical here. Two flexes, full P- full point PPR. He gives four options. He needs to start two of the four. T.Y. Hilton, Terry McLaurin, Marvin Jones, and Michael Gallup. First of all, dude, if those are your flex options, congratulations. It sounds like you have a phenomenal team. For me, I think Gallup is locked in. You play Gallup no matter what. He's in the best game environment of the week. I know Amari Cooper had the 14 targets. Gallup only had five, but they ran the same amount of routes. And if we look back to 2019, Gallup was actually pacing Cooper in targets and air yards. So I think he's a strong bounce back play. I think we also laid out the case for all your Washington pass catchers already. So we talked about the game environment 
for Logan Thomas. You can just pivot that right over to Terry McLaurin, who ran a route on 100% of Dwayne Haskins' drop back, seven targets himself, that 23% target share, 28% of Washington's air yards. I think he's really strong play. I would give him a really, really slight edge over T.Y. Hilton right now. I love T.Y. Hilton. I think T.Y. Hilton is facing more competition in that offense. So if you wanted to split hairs and go with Hilton, I wouldn't fault you there. Again, pick two, T.Y. Hilton, Terry McLaurin, Marvin Jones, Michael Gallup. Who you got, Kyle? Yeah, I'm in lockstep with you, and I think I'm even lower on the on the Colts than most people are, especially on their deep targets. Philip Rivers has really struggled in the past one week and one year in terms of throwing deep. He was horrible deep last season. It didn't really have a ton of arm strength going into week one. So for me, that's definitely the tiebreaker between him and McLaurin and Michael Gallup. I, I think he is an every week starter, even if I have the deepest, even if I have this awesome deep receiver core, he is clearly starting in all of my lineup. So Michael Gallup is the clear one. And then Terry McLaurin was still a slight edge over, over T.Y. Hilton. I don't, I, you know, I'm not completely down on the, you know, the Philip Rivers led Colts. I'm just probably a little lower than consensus. He's starting in most of my leagues, but when you have Terry McLaurin as an option, I'll take him. Agreed. Before we move over to some tough matchups and some streamers, I want to tell you guys about our title sponsor of the show. It is Yahoo. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They are the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features. For those looking to play multiple lineups, it helps you make better choices. So choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. I play quite a bit over there, and it is fantastic. Right now, we have quite a few of you in chat. Looks like we are up over 50, approaching that 75 mark. So hit that thumbs up button. It's the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire awesome community. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when we are live. But let's keep it with the chat for a little bit here. There's a lot of great questions rolling through. We have a question. Who do I start full PPR pick? David Johnson, DJ Chark, Paris Campbell, or Cooper Cup? He needs two of them. Again, that's David Johnson, DJ Chark, Campbell, and Cup. My favorite play out of those is Cup. After that, I think we have a really tough decision between Johnson, who's in a tough matchup. They'll be playing Baltimore. DJ Chark didn't quite see the volume I thought we were going to, but I think DJ Chark has probably a better path to volume just straight up than Paris Campbell. I know Paris Campbell had the crazy week one, but DJ Chark still 93% of routes on Gardner Minshew dropbacks, only three targets. I really think that was influenced by Gardner Minshew only dropping back 20 times. Again, they ran arguably, I can't remember the plays off the top of my head, but it was, if not the fewest offensive plays, the five fewest in the entire NFL. So with some positive regression, I think we do see more opportunity for DJ Chark going forward. He gets a real slight edge to me over guys like Paris Campbell and David Johnson. What do you think? It's pick two, David Johnson, DJ Chark, Paris Campbell, and Cooper Cup. I'm going to, I definitely agree. Cup is my guy out of these four. And then moving to the second one, I'll, I'll split it. I'll split it and go David Johnson's. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have a bit of a, a discontent between the two of us there, but we agree that Cooper Cup is the guy. I'm going to take the, the more secure volume that I think David Johnson is going to get. We saw Duke Johnson hardly utilized at all in their week one match, but I think he came out of thing up too. So for me, I'm going to go with David Johnson. I think him or Charker fine plays. I think the Jags targeted like 11 different pass catchers on their, in their week one game. It was something absurd. They got so many guys involved. Uh, just like these like no-name guys, really. So for me, I, I'd probably look to, I'm a little nervous on Shark. Love me some LaVisca, so maybe that's playing into it. I'm going to go David Johnson, but I think both of those two are fine plays and Cooper Cup is the obvious move. Yeah, I, I think you're making a strong case for David Johnson. I'm glad we're in lockstep on Cooper Cup. We have another question. It is barring Kenny Galladay, A.J. Brown injuries, would you start Marvin Jones Jr. or Corey Davis? For me, it is going to be Marvin Jones Jr. We just have a larger sample of him being an effective NFL player. Corey Davis, I know he had the one game. I believe it was eight targets and a solid target share, same as A.J. Brown. But Marvin Jones, he also quietly ran a route on 100% of Detroit's dropbacks. 19.5% target share. He just didn't get you there last week. The eight targets didn't amount to a touchdown, didn't have a 100-yard game, so he's kind of flying under the radar. And I, I pretty clearly think that Marvin Jones Jr. is the better play here. Do you have a different take? Nope, I, I'm completely in lockstep. This feels fairly like a fairly easy layup for me. Go Marvin Jones here, lock in that passing volume. Even if, you know, Quintez Sivas gets 10 targets, I don't project that going forward. Marvin Jones is his team's number one as, as long as Kenny Galladay's out. And maybe even if he comes in at less than 100% health, because he seems pretty nicked up. So no, no discussion here. It's Marvin Jones. Yeah, I agree 100%. There's a question, um, what site do you guys use for prop bets? So assuming that you're in a place where you can make legal prop bets, I want to point out the Osmo Odd Shopper tool. Like this is a complete game changer, guys. You can use this tool. It shows you all of the different betting markets, assuming you're in a legal state where you can take advantage of different odds. It has really helped my game. It takes out a ton of the time trying to shop around, find these odds. So, I mean, if you're interested, go to Osmo.com, sign up for an NFL weekly pass. That's at Osmo.com backslash join. There's packages for any sort of players here. And again, if you're playing props, that is just an absolutely incredible tool. As far as a couple other questions, do you like Logan Thomas more than Chris Herndon for the remainder of the season? That is a resounding yes from me. It's not often... I get this many questions about Chris Herndon, who's arguably on the worst team in the NFL. Do you have the the same take with this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can't. Who's, who's playing Jets anymore? Don't play Jets. Cross them off. If you see a guy and next to his name, it has position dash NYJ. Don't play him. Don't pick him up. Don't put him on your roster. Are we too high on Logan Thomas? No, no. We're exactly high enough on Logan Thomas. We saw like. Like I said, who else are they going to throw to? We saw him get the role in week one. He's crazy athletic, and it's not surprising. Like, you could say he doesn't have a track record of production. He's a position switch to an incredibly difficult position to play. I am, I'm all aboard on Logan Thomas. I think he's this this season's Darren Waller. Yeah, I, I love Logan Thomas. I mean, we're talking about streamers right now. I think he's your number one streaming tight end. Is there another tight end streamer you would consider over him? You know, say you have George Kittle in your lineup, and George Kittle's a game-time decision, he doesn't play. Is there another streamer you would prefer over Logan Thomas? I think some considerations might be Dalton Schultz just because he's in the best game environment of the entire slate with that 54-point total. I, I put Hayden Hurst on our list just in case someone dropped Hayden Hurst. Like, please pick him up. And then another one, O.J. Howard. I'm certainly not preferring O.J. Howard over Logan Thomas at this point. But is there anyone you would prefer over him as a streamer? 
No, no one I prefer over him. He's a he's a tier one streamer. It's not even close. I got him. Uh, I got him. If you signed up for the the draft kit, you could have gotten a coupon to the FFPC. I play on the FFPC and I got him in a, in a tight end premium league. And I was so excited. I didn't have to blow the fab on him. I don't know what, what people don't see that we see in Logan Thomas. He's the clear number one. And I would not be surprised if he ends up being the best tight end streamer of the season. Like there's no better pickup throughout the year. So for me, it's him. I like OJ Howard. If someone picked up Thomas or, you know, there's some buzz going into the season. He had a good training camp. Apparently if he got picked up, OJ Howard was a guy who in his first two seasons led the NFL in yards per target as a tight end, uh, you know, at the tight end position for two consecutive seasons, seemed like a crazy good playmaker. We see late tight end breakouts happen all the time with Logan Thomas. So he's a guy that I think you have to consider. Logan Thomas could be rostered. OJ Howard, especially playing in a great game environment this week, even if he is, you know, the 1B tight end, could end up having a good game. So I'm interested in OJ Howard, but not to the Logan Thomas levels. Yeah, OJ Howard could be interesting as a streamer. And I think there are some cases where I would start him in my seasonal leagues. If we look at Tampa Bay, they were a team that was already running a high rate of 12 personnel. Just looking at snap counts, Gronk played 77% of snaps. OJ Howard was in there for 53. Now we might not have Godwin. That could just put OJ Howard on the field more often. I know we're talking about liking Scotty Miller, but there's a chance they just play more 12 personnel. And then it's, you know, OJ Howard potentially being the beneficiary of those targets. So I, I do like him as a streaming option as well. I think we should touch on Dalton Schultz as a streamer, just because the tight end position being as fluky as it is with touchdowns, so heavily influencing the outcomes of these games. Are you going to Dalton Schultz? I know he's a cheap attachment to Dak Prescott in that awesome scoring environment. And he essentially played the Blake Jarwin role once Blake Jarwin went out. Any interest in him? Yeah, he's a good, like you said, touchdown upside at a position where that's really all you need to have a passable week. That's what you want from your streamer. And I would say out of all the streaming options, he probably falls in that OJ Howard tier of maybe not like a, a great target upside, but just overall, if you play on, if you play on a Bucks team facing Carolina, if you play on a Dallas team facing essentially anyone, you do have at least one touchdown upside. If not, you know, you know, a fluky game could happen. You score twice. So he's more of a desperation play. I'm trying to get a guy like Logan Thomas if I can, but I don't think you're absurd for, for dipping into what seems to be just a clear number one tight end on his team, even if he's a bit pushed down in the target totem pole. Agreed. The questions are rolling in fast from the chat. So right, let's rapid fire, bang, bang, bang. Rapid fire questions. All right. So this is more of an overarching strategy question for the flex position overall. Given what we saw last week, a lot of RBs in more timeshares, maybe not seeing quite the involvement we thought they would. Are you more willing to play a wide receiver or tight end at flex this week? It's a, of course, this is going to be dependent on who is on your team. But I think if you rostered a guy like Todd Gurley, if you rostered a guy like Chris Carson, I do think you should be looking at your options on the waiver wire. If this is probably a closer call than it should be. If you have, you know, Paris Campbell, would you potentially play him over Chris Carson? I'd probably still say no, but we're at least having this discussion, which means it's closer. What do you think on this topic? Yeah, generally, I'm not actually, I think there's some efficacy to going tight end in the flex, which is something I don't think a few years ago, I would have ever thought of. It just seems crazy. But we do have a handful of guys like if you if you drafted Travis Kelsey, you can pick up Logan Thomas and play him in the flex. He's a, he's a solid flex worthy play. We talked about him. We talked, you know, a question earlier that he is a guy that people are going to be playing in the flex. I don't think it's something you have to be doing. But I think two tight end like I did a, a decent amount of like too, too early tight end in best ball as well. Cause I saw some, some of the guys at Rotovis were saying like that, you know, they had the data that that's a, a very viable strategy. So for me, I think that's at least worth looking to if there's a tight end projected more, don't knock him just because he plays a position you don't normally play in the flex. 
I'm not overreacting to week one. I'm not benching Todd Gurley. Chris Carson was a bit concerning, but over half of his carries, which were like none, I think he got like six, all came in the first half, whereas like two of the seven Carlos Hyde carries came in the first half. It does seem like it's going to be a bit of a, a workload split more than projected with Carlos Hyde, but Hyde was mostly used as the cleanup guy. He wasn't necessarily getting the starting gig. And even if that means Chris Carson isn't, you know, a 70% backfield share and it's more 65, 60, that's still good. It's still good enough to be a flex play. And he got all the backfield target. He got all the backfield targets between those two. I think Travis Homer worked in for like one or two targets, but for the most part, he was running a decent amount of routes and playing a decent amount of the receiving snaps. So for me, that receiving upside makes it at least uh, like, I'm not considering benching him yet. The rushing share was concerning, but I don't think the sky is falling on Chris Carson. Yeah, for sure. I, I still think Carson's probably the preferred play there. But but listen, guys, at Osmo.com, we have a ton of free content for you. Make sure to check out the site. If you're looking today specifically, we have the NFL Express Top Stacks tool. This is an absolutely fantastic tool that Alex Baker, Osmo, develops himself, something he uses on a weekly basis. That will certainly help you with your DFS lineups. For other sports, we have NBA rankings free today, MLB player projections, so make sure you check those out. Question from Caleb. Do you think Christian McCaffrey gets more targets this week? Of course, he was drafted usually number one overall. As far as McCaffrey seeing four targets last week, I do think this is a small sample size not to worry about. McCaffrey still ran around on 87% of the dropbacks. McCaffrey, as far as the involvement in this offense, we have Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. He was the architect architect of the 81-catch Alvin Kamara season in 2018. He was the architect of the 55-catch Clyde Edwards-Hilaire season last year at LSU. I think the targets will come for McCaffrey, so stick tight with him. Don't sell him low. Do not think about benching McCaffrey. Any, any concerns with him? Yeah, I mean, I think you could reasonably say that they have a better receiving unit around him with the addition uh, with the third year of Curtis Samuel, who's kind of a gadget player. And I think the more time he gets in the NFL will be better for his overall talent as a receiver. And then obviously signing Robbie Anderson, who has a big week one. I think those things knock the, the overall target share, but not to four targets. And on a team that, like you said, I think they're going to want to pass. I think they're going to be a better offense. And we know that if you're a better offense, you get to run more plays. Like that is something that last year, Kyle Allen took a stupid amount of sacks. He was incredible at taking sacks. That is a drive killer. He couldn't, he just like, when you have guys that fumble the ball all the time, when they throw interceptions, when they take sacks, you don't get to create these long target laden drives that are what Christian McCaffrey is going to thrive on. So for me, even if the target share comes down, you know, a handful of percentage points from last year, the overall offense is a rising tide or, you know, the rising tide raises all boats that will at least offset probably any Christian McCaffrey target share drop. Agreed. I, I, I don't expect it to be a huge drop. I do think you're right. We could see some, but I'm not worried about it. I think he's still very much your number one overall play in fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Question from 22. Would you drop Noah Fant or Dallas Goddard for Thomas? I'm assuming it's Logan Thomas. Oh. Initially I read this as Ian Thomas. I was like, no, no way. But Logan <laughs> Thomas, I'm guessing here. So I, no, I wouldn't. I, it's close. I do I do still like Fantasy and Goddard quite a bit. If we're asking who do we start out of this group for this week, I think you can make a strong play for Logan Thomas being the best out of this trio. I am a huge Goddard fan. I just love Goddard's offensive role. I do think Goddard is going to play a majority of the snaps throughout the year. I will take Logan Thomas this week over um, uh, Noah Fant, though. So I guess that's where I'd split it. And this is a team that, depending on their depth, could be a two-tight end flex spot. Agreed. Agreed. 
I definitely don't think you're dropping any of those players if you can. Now, question it is, I'm guessing pick one. It just says ors between these players. So we'll assume it's pick one. It's Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown, or Julian Edelman. And there's a clear answer for me, but I want to hear what you say first. Who do you prefer, Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown, or Julian Edelman? Julian Edelman. He doesn't see like a crazy target total in week one. They threw like 20 so times. It was might have even been even less. And he saw a 60% air yard share. That's absolutely nuts because all they did was run a handful of guys on slants. And then Julian Edelman, you know, he wasn't a giant field stretcher. But given his target share, plus being the deep target on the team or the deeper target on the team, he got a crazy air yard share, a very solid target share. And now he plays in a game where they're not going to absolutely decimate their opponent. They're probably, I mean, you know, Vegas has them losing to Seattle, obviously. So this should be a better game for the receivers as a whole. Julian Edelman is probably clear number one for me. And then if we're ranking them, I, I'd take Sanders next, I think. Yeah, I, I like this Patriots offense a lot. We're I guess we're still talking sleepers. We've mainly been just fielding questions, but one of the main sleepers that I have on my list is Nikhil Harry. So if you want to talk a Patriots team that was just in severe positive game scripts, I mean, they only threw the ball 19 times. I think we can expect more pass attempts against a Seattle team that just absolutely cannot pressure the quarterback. They can certainly score points themselves. And we just saw Matt Ryan throw 434 yards against them. So I'm looking at a guy like Nikhil Harry. If you're just absolutely panicking on your waivers, I can't think of a hypothetical situation where you might need to do this, but Nikhil Harry is at least worth talking about. Let's see here. There's a question. Someone's asking if they should trade Naheem Hines for Joe Mixon. Absolutely not. He's the Joe Mixon owner. Keep Joe Mixon. He's had immense volume. I know he hasn't gotten there yet, but you're going to want a guy with this volume at the end of the year. Any qualms? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I'm sticking to our priors that we see Joe Mixon. We saw him catching passes last night. That's the only thing Hines does. Hines doesn't get between the tackles work necessarily. So, yeah, uh, I'm sticking with Joe Mixon and riding this out 100%. Okay, I agree. So we've talked sleepers at tight end wide receiver and some Benny Snell at running back and stuff like that. It, let's talk some QBs for a second, and then we'll move on to some players that you might want to think about benching. I hope that we can maybe bring up some guys you guys aren't considering. But the QB position, this is – similar to tight end, a position we're widely streaming on a week-to-week -week basis. You know, if you have uh, a quarterback maybe like Ryan Tannehill or just someone that didn't perform last week, who are you looking to as maybe a guy you can grab off waivers and insert into your lineup? So I have, I think you, you talked him, you talked him up. Dwayne Haskins in a spot that is just a good overall environment playing against the Carolina or a Cardinals defense that is not, you know, it's not a great defense. They made some improvements via the draft, but they also just play fast and they're a good offense. They can put up points. So I think that's a good game environment to be in. And he has clear weapons to throw to. So he makes an interesting stack. If you could pick up, you could double stream Logan Thomas and him. Outside of that, I'm looking at a few other guys. You know, Tyrod Taylor is a guy I think you have to still consider. As long as he's the starting quarterback, he has some rushing potential. He plays against the Chiefs, so he's going to be dropping back a ton because the Chiefs are going to kill them. He's a guy that if you're playing, like, you can even consider him, like, super flex leagues as your second quarterback. If you're really beat up at quarterback, I don't. we don't have any quarterback injuries, so you shouldn't need too badly to go to the stream. But if you have a guy who I would consider benching, like Ryan Tannehill, maybe you turn to Tyrod Taylor. But for me, I think... Uh, you know, there's not much of a need to go super deep at quarterback this week with no serious injuries and uh, like no, you know, miserable matchups. Like I'm fine getting a guy like Josh Allen in no matter who he plays right now. Dwayne Haskins, probably a guy I'd go to. I don't think the stream is super necessary this week. Agreed. I think at QB, you can probably lock in the guys 
that you drafted. We'll talk a couple benchable players in a second here, but one last position to talk streamers before we move on the running back position. I do think some people will need to stream here. If you are the James Conner owner, if maybe you drafted, I don't know, Matt Breida to play a role for your team in the mid rounds, there's players that we need to at least talk about streaming here for some really deep considerations. I think Miles Gaskin stands out as the snap leader for Miami. I think J.D. McKissick is someone you could potentially look to as a super, super deep guy. I know Peyton Barber saw all the work as a runner, but he didn't play a single role as a pass catcher. Is there a deep running back, if you were maybe a James Conner owner, that you would look to start this week? Yeah, I mean, we talk about Benny Snell being the premium one, but I assume he got snapped up off of waivers and is not available as a free agent. I would say Peyton Barber, like, you know, you you need a touchdown from him. That's the thing. You need a touchdown from him. But that's kind of what we look at with a guy like Benny Snell, who, you know, all of his touches are coming on, on the ground. So I think Benny Snell is better Peyton Barber. He's a better talent. He's on a better offense. He is, uh, he's not projected to be losing this week. So he's he's better in every way. But you get you get like, you know, Benny Snell light, I guess, by going to Peyton Barber. And he's getting so much of the red zone work that I think a touchdown or, you know, obviously a touchdown, two touchdowns is in his range of outcomes. So I don't love it. But I think outside of him, like he falls in that Frank Gore tier. I'd probably even take him over Frank Gore, honestly. Like, I think he has such a higher probability of scoring a touchdown, despite maybe people thinking that Washington and the Jets are close as offenses. I just don't see it. I'd rather bet on any piece of Washington than any comparable piece on the Jets. So if you're looking at a guy like Frank Gore, I'm making the pivot to Peyton Barber, even though it's kind of ugly. Yeah, I would agree. Hopefully you don't have to make those decisions. The the chat is really cracking me up, man. Jason says no backwards ball caps. This is an awesome wardrobe violation. So just some nonsense in here too, but man, I'll I'll bring it. I'll get get one of these hats. I'll bring it on for you next time, Jason, I promise. But the next question is this guy has an abundance of riches at tight end. Apparently Should he bench George Kittle for Dallas Goddard? I think you want to watch Kittle to close the week for sure. But if George Kittle is a game time decision, I think you make the switch. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think like that's, I think Dallas Goddard is a guy I brought up when we talked about this. If you have like a a solid back end tight end one, I'm taking those guys. I think those guys have enough floor, you know, Dallas Goddard basically playing the second receiver on his team to Zach Ertz, assumedly is uh, that is a, better role than George Kittle being the first receiver, but incredibly risky, incredibly zero point floor projection in his range of outcomes. So that's probably where I draw the line is a guy like Dallas Goddard, who, although he he definitely doesn't have George Kittle upside, few players do, he has a a floor. And I'm looking for that floor at least, which is not what you're getting with Kittle. So I'd say in that tight end 10, 11 range, which is probably where I'd be dropping Goddard, Jared Cook kind of falls in that range now with Michael Thomas being out assumedly those are the guys i'd be looking to play over george kittle i'm not going crazy off the board like a guy like jonah smith i would never consider playing over kittle i think he has like close to a zero point floor as well if they end up burying the jags or something so not going that deep but dallas goddard i am willing to play him over uh over george kittle agreed i i think dallas goddard's a phenomenal play he led the team in targets last week he's on the field a significant portion of the time now let's talk some benchable players let's maybe Rack some of the minds of the people in our chat. Who would you consider benching? For me, at the QB position, I think you would take a look at benching a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, maybe for a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins. It sounds crazy, but hear me out. Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he looked great when he was on the field. He struggled with accuracy a little bit early, but he still finished with a 65.6 completion percentage. He averaged 7.2 yards per attempt. Those are all fine. Fine metrics. Passed for 229 yards, three scores. The, the real concern here 
for Ben Roethlisberger. One is the game total. It's falling. It's down to 40 and a half points. That's significantly lower than what we saw him playing with last week. And second, just based on the one game sample, I mean, don't, don't take too much away from this, but Pittsburgh significantly slowed down compared to their 2018 metrics. When we saw Ben Roethlisberger leading the league in pass attempts, they only ran 64 plays. That was tied for 20th. They threw the ball 53% of the time. That was 23rd. Now we're projecting similar game script here against Denver. They're, they're significant favorites. I think Ben Roethlisberger, while he's still a good play, while he's still uh, you know a good fantasy player overall, they're just not going to throw the ball as much as maybe you might like for if you're going to start him, you know, Dwayne Haskins, he might see 10 more pass attempts. And while they might not be as efficient, I think this is a conversation you at least need to have. Are you willing to bench a guy like big Ben? And then tell me about some other guys you might consider putting on the pine this week. Yeah, I think I'm going to roll with big Ben here, but I, I like the, I like the conversation. It's definitely worth having. I think big Ben just has like it, his efficiency is going to more than outweigh what we see from Haskins or what we can reasonably project from Haskins, but it is a close conversation. And I also just think big Ben's weapons are really setting up to be actually pretty stacked. Juju, I think is going to be turn out to be, we're going to look back at this year and say, why weren't we taking him in the exact spot we took him two years ago? Like he was a like one, two turn kind of guy two years ago and then completely falls off the map. Is now like a three, four turn kind of guy. I think we're going to look back and see that as a mistake. Deontay Johnson had a good showing after he had a rough start to week one, but then he ended up like the final two drives kind of picked it back up. I think he muffed a punt and dropped a pass, but then ends up, you know, having a turnaround second half. They even have like depth in guys like James Washington and Chase Claypool who are absolute burners. They can go downfield. So I like his, his absolute array of weapons. I think he, anywhere he throws is going to be successful, even down to like Eric Ebron, at least a solid touchdown score. So I like his weapons enough and I think he's going to be more efficient and I'll take him over Haskins. You have a guy written down that I think it would not shock me. It'd really surprise me though, if he has a good week, Ryan Tannehill, they're, they're projected to absolute bury the Jags. Like there are seven to eight point favorites, depending on your book, I believe. Uh, you know, if that line is close to where it opened at, they're supposed to kill them. And we know that when they're playing in even close games, like we saw on Monday night, all they want to do is run the football. Derrick Henry kidding, like over oh, getting like he's a 30 carry a game potentially guy. That's all they want to do as long as they're winning. And if they're winning big, they may throw the ball 15 to 20 times a game. We could see them play basically what we saw with Cam Newton and Ryan Tannehill doesn't have that rushing upside that Cam Newton does. He has a little bit of rushing upside but not two touchdown upside. I think it's very possible that he throws 20 or fewer times in this game. And that is just not what I'm looking to get into. I would take Dwayne Haskins over him by a mile this week. Yeah. I think we're in lockstep with the QBs. We're just not projecting for a lot of volume, but if you guys have questions, throw those into the chat. We'll get to them in a second here. Kyle and I are going to finish with some bold takes and hopefully we can get some questions in the meantime. I'd also like to point out to everyone in the chat right now, Make sure to check out the Awesome Podcast Network. A lot of people aren't aware that we have a podcast network. It is extremely useful if maybe you can't catch a live show on YouTube, you're in your car and don't want to pull up a full video. All of the content is available in podcast feeds. We are available wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you check that out. Bold calls. All right. So say I, I am a James Conner owner. I need to throw someone in my flex, maybe a Hail Mary play that's going to win me the week. What is your bold call? Who is going to get me to that upper one percentile score that is going to make me win my week for you? (laughs) 
I, I have a bold call. I, you can't pick him up off waivers, but a guy that I think if you are behind the eight ball and you should not be considering benching right now is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler in the past two times that he played the Chiefs got 10 and 12 targets. And I'm not saying that he has the Chiefs number specifically. It's that they lost both those games and they're going to lose this game again. Don't consider benching Austin Eckler. I say he goes over five catches on this week and ends up being a top five fantasy running back. And then at that point, maybe you sell high. So I'm not awfully up on this offense as a whole, and I'm not up on his projection with Tyrod Taylor. But this is a bounce back week for Austin Eckler. Top five running back. Please don't bench Austin Eckler. I, I love Austin Eckler. We, we just got a question coming through the chat. It's about A.J. Green. It says, should A.J. Green owners be worried? And this is a question... I think we need to have now just because we're not seeing AJ green play a full complement of snaps. He's been around 60%. The first two, the first two games of the year, and he doesn't exactly look like a world beater when he's out there either. AJ green, of course, is North of the age of 30. Now he's missed most of the last two seasons with injuries. Are you panicking on AJ green? Yeah, I am not particularly excited about AJ green. And despite the fact that they ran a lot of plays, you can't project them to run like over 90 plays on any given, like that will, that'll probably be one of their highs, if not the high on this season. So when you see that, like he has, you know, some volume, like I think he got a bunch of targets last, last week, last night, really, but that can't be the projection going forward. He's not getting a high enough share of the pie that you can really feel confident in starting him. And in games where they can't, you know, backdoor score a few drives, you know, I think Tyler Boyd scored that final touchdown they had, but when they can't string together a few drives at the end of games, he's going to have four or five target games on games where they score 17 points. It's going to be games that kind of look like the chargers. Those will happen as well. And we saw last night was the perfect scenario for him to succeed. And it, it's just not coming together. You talk about him being old. He's been banged up. He hasn't played a full season. In, like it's one full season in four or so years. I, I would be trying to sell on him the next time he has a spike week. If that comes anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. AJ green. I, you know, we see T Higgins jumping in, in Snapshare, I think this could be the plan. AJ Green's a free agent at the end of this year. We have a trade question. Carson Wentz and Marvin Jones Jr. or T.Y. Hilton, Jared Goff. When I get these questions, one of my favorite things to do is look at who is the best player. You know, who is the player that will set me apart? And in this trade, I think the very best player is T.Y. Hilton. It's because the quarterback position in most leagues is replaceable. So T.Y. Hilton is a locked-in number one wide receiver. Marvin Jones has a little bit of steam right now because of the Kenny Galladay injury. And when we look at T.Y. Hilton, he saw nine targets in their first game. 40% of Indianapolis's air yards. I think he's the best player. And I actually do prefer Goff to Carson Wentz just based on a volume perspective at this point in time so for me it's the Hilton golf side who do you prefer on this trade again it's Carson Wentz and Marvin Jones Jr. or T.Y. Hilton and Jared Goff yeah I agree in trades with quarterbacks unless it is you know Patrick Mahomes Dak Prescott Russell Wilson Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson and maybe you can throw Josh Allen in there I really don't care about the quarterback is so replaceable it's such a, a you can get the right matchup you can pick a guy who has rushing upside you can get a guy who just has spiky touchdown efficiency every now and then. So for me, you could have a guy who throws 40 times and doesn't even do it that well and just gets, you know, racks up cheap yardage. A guy like kind of, kind of like Joe Burrow. So for me, it, it's quarterback doesn't matter. I'm taking the best available player in the trade. So give me the T.Y. Hilton side. I agree. All right. My bold call. I So I love Terry McLaurin. If you have access to Terry McLaurin, start him. I think he's a chance to be inside the top five wide receivers on the week. But if you're looking for just a guy, a Hail Mary, someone you, you're not sure who to start in your flex and it's real close, I would take a look at Nikhil Harry. 
he saw six targets. That was a 31% target share just because New England did not throw hardly at all. There's Julian Edelman. There's Nikhil Harry. There's no one else. Their third receiver was Demir Bird. James White did not play significantly. Of course, if they're in negative game script, that could change. But this is a game against Seattle where we are expecting more points to be scored. We're expecting more pass attempts overall for Cam Newton. And we just saw Atlanta shred this team. But that will do it for today. Thank you guys for tuning into the chat. Hit that thumbs up button before you go. Make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you know when everything is live on Osmo. But that'll do it for our Yahoo-sponsored Start, Sit, Show. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski and Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.